the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 223 Breakdown. is up you savages this is the protect your neck podcast and i am your host dan tom analyst whose work you can find at mmajunkie.com and five days a week on mma junkie radio but on this year program the protect your neck podcast we break down high level mma and that's what we're going to do here today uh, later on in the program we're going to have my friend jordan fiegelman at Ordination Sports, without the O on Twitter, will be joining us from Fantasy Sports Talk. But before that, we're going to be breaking down UFC 223 as per normal, from bottom to top as we normally do, except as per usual. Well, actually not, yeah, except, yeah, as per usual. A few notes at the top. Um, of course, I'll be going to this show. Um, of course, as the song suggested, thank you, Beastie Boys, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. I uh, <laughs> have not been sleeping till Brooklyn. A lot of work, uh, as per usual. A lot of hurdles, as per usual. And, and, of course, the hurdle we all felt around the MMA world, if you will. And the, the April Fool's jokes among the April Fool's joke, because it was not an April Fool's joke. That's right. Tony and Khabib pulling out. Let's um, let's semi-start there. Let's actually start 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 the week before. Speaking of Jordan, uh, shout out to Jordan Killian, and uh, thank you guys for anybody who enjoyed the uh, top five UFC debuts. That was a fun one. That was like a history lesson, time down memory lane. And speaking of time down memory lane, um, thank you for those of you who enjoyed the lightweight article. It's tough to narrow it down to 10, so instead of doing a top 10, because there's, there's no way to do a top 10 for a lightweight, um kind of made a spin on it because I want to do a historical retrospective. Of course, the lightweight division is my favorite division, my favorite point of history. So I really poured my heart out into it. And uh, those of you who read it probably, you know, uh, I dare say learned a thing or two because I know I did. Even with it, you know, said being a division, I, I poured so much into it or, or thought I knew a lot about even. Uh, but of course, you know, there's those people who just don't read the article, they just read the headline or read the pics and just tear you down. They see McGregor in there, like, why, why how McGregor Alvarez? Because in telling the retrospective, you know, I, I, you know, Dan Tom does not particularly like the end of that fight, the way uh, Connor held himself in the post fight speech. There's definitely better fights for e- either guy, but considering he's in New York and considering it sets up this title fight, that was going to happen, you know, that, that was going to happen. Well, I'm still having a title fight in New York, but you know what I mean? It's not a. Khabib and Tony, it just it sucked because that was the very end of the article, and that article would have been evergreen if not for that pullout. Anyways, so shouts to all the, the uh, writers. Seriously, there's a lot of people. Uh, Trent Redsmith, a fellow co-worker at Junkie, had an in-depth piece set to go out that day. So I know I'm, not, I'm obviously not the only ones. I'm not trying to play a violin selfishly here. Shout out to every, everyone who had articles and content going into it. And uh, just real quick, I will get my thoughts on it because... Um, Listener of the podcast, Jesse, at MMA247 Feed. Shout out to Jesse who wanted to know my thoughts. Uh, it was essentially thoughts uh, from before. If anybody who, who you know followed this podcast before at UFC 209, I, had, I still had Tony winning despite their, their body of work since then. I just essentially thought that um, you know, he was going to secede takedowns early and uh, either catch Khabib coming in 
cut him up with elbows and or all of the above. Maybe eventually catch him in a Darce choke and just kind of uh, build his way back in, 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 into the fight, um, essentially. Um, maybe not build is the right word. I'm thinking of Max Holloway, which we'll get to here in a, later in a second. Uh, but yeah. Um, sorry, I'm still, I'm still, you know, collecting myself, still not feeling that, that great right now, uh, collecting myself for this trip, so I may, may pause at random times, but, uh, but yeah, uh, sorry, sorry about that, but no, essentially, you know, I had this whole thing where, you know, last time around, essentially this theory, Tony is a presenter, it's hard for people to, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to pretend, uh, I don't even know if Tony knows what he's doing in there, I'm not going to pretend to know what he's doing or any other fighter, but, you know, speaking for what my opinions were somebody just really loves watching his game really studies his game i get why he's underdog i get why people uh don't like his game or don't get or don't favor it or all the above or a combination of three i'm not hating any of those um but like i said kind of last year and building off that he was that's the last year he's a presenter max holloway's the builder but but tony you know tony's a presenter like a poker player not necessarily that he's the best poker player it's that you know, Texas Hold'em especially, a game with heavy swings, just like MMA has heavy swings for combat sports. It's, you're playing the man more than the hand, so to speak, right? Um, so, you know, Tony, as I kind of equate, he's that poker shark at the table. You know, he, he, his stack might not be as big as the other guys. In other words, on paper, it's not as impressive, right? The record, all these other things, the wrestling accolades, all these... Dominance, control time, all these things are in Khabib's favor, right? Um, but those poker sharks, they don't care. They'll let you They'll let you think you're, you're, you're winning. They'll even secede some hands they could probably win. You know, they have the tools. They might have the hand. And kind of the equation, you know, watching the movie Rounders, to be honest, and kind of kind of uh, help with this analogy, to be honest, and you can watch it. And, and in that movie... There's something called a, a bear trap, and, and then if you remember in the movie when Matt Damon's playing Teddy KGB, he um, he's talking. He goes, he goes, right now, I have a winning hand, but I got to keep this guy in the fight and get him where I want, essentially. You know, and all fighters think they have a winning hand, and all fighters want to get someone where they want in a fight. So this is kind of a, a comparable predicament. And he says, you know, Teddy KGB, my my Russian opponent, coincidentally enough, too smart. Um, for a normal thing called a bear trap, which is betting very little and letting them kind of walk into it, which is kind of Tony's style. So Matt Damon elects not to do that, and instead he just tries to kind of uh, bluff a call, and instead he's missing what's really happening going on. He makes a mistake, yada, yada. Anyways, come back. You know, I'm sorry for people that know the movie, but people that don't, he, he loses his money. Uh, movie goes on, comes back in a culminating point where he ends up back at Teddy KGB's joint playing this Russian guy for all the money and all the stakes. Just leave it at that. And um, this time it's kind of a similar situation comes up. He uh, he has a great hand from the start. Um, and, you know, uh, from the flop. And uh, this time he does take kind of his advice from the beginning he does to do the bear trap and he lets he lets the very confident very powerful russian kind of march through and who's thinking he's winning because he's you know traditionally winning by, by by normal standards and uh he lets him walk right into it thinking he because he's been he's been checking all night and check check playing just ah just just, just seceding 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 
right? It's just seeding, just feeding the feeding the power, feeding the power. Till he gets him right where he wants him. And lays down his hand. And that's kind of how Tyranny Ferguson wins his fights. Um, and, uh, you know, for Khabib to get him down, he has to travel through the dangerous neighborhood of the front headlock. Dar's choke and this. That's making me sad to talk about, Jesse, but I'm talking about it for you. Yeah, essentially the bear trap, as I thought he was going, he was going to walk into, and one of many Tony's weapons, mainly the Dar's, the counters, uh, and uh, the elbows off the guard as a last resort. Uh, anyways, anyways, that that was it. And then uh, I had to rewrite and scramble and lose a couple, lose a, lose a day and a half. Uh, and now we're here. So uh, that's that. Thank you for checking out those articles. All the breakdowns are up at MMAJunkie.com for anything I miss. I'm going to go through as best I can. Uh, we, we go about 45 minutes in the segment um, that's previously recorded. So I'm just going to go through and give my technical thoughts, knowing that we'll have fantasy thoughts slash Jordan's thoughts. Um, on a lot of these matchups, uh, not all of them, but a lot of these matchups uh, that are relevant um, to fantasy play later on. So not keeping you waiting any longer. I checked my notes here last time. Yeah, we're good. Uh, bottom top, uh, Kyle Bakniak versus uh, Bakniak there versus Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Don't mess with Zohan Zabit. Minus eight twenty coming down. Got as high as minus nine hundred. Plus five sixty to come back on Bachniak. Uh, I got Zabit here. Uh, Zabit, uh, as you'll hear, is in the fantasies. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that alone. Uh, not really playing anything uh, for the obvious inflated reasons. Um, and you know. Bogniak's going to stick to fundamentals. He's going to stay on his bike. He's going to play a smart game. We've seen him that he can do it frustratingly or not, whether he wins, whether he's in a close fight, or whether he loses. And whether you like his style or not, he will stick to that game plan. Um, so, uh, and, and it's and he has gotten better, whether it's his reactionary shots, his transitional grappling. Um, he's always had a really uh, mean right hand, even from the regional scene, but... Uh, you know, working with uh, Peter Welsh, I want to say, you know, the footwork is definitely getting better. Again, facilitating him being on his bike, uh, staying fundamentally smart. And uh, he's going to look for, I think he's going to look for shots and look for counters appropriately. But um, we'll see. We'll see. Zabit can either play it smart, which I'll actually be more impressed, which might not make for as exciting of a fight. But I do see him eventually getting his coils wrapped around him, either hurting uh, Bakniak or taking him down off of his fake take, failed takedown and or defending um, Bakniak's takedown and using that ex- excuse in the clinch to get him down. Uh, again, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a beat training with a bunch of wrestlers for his wrestling to continue to improve, but he is more traditional like a lot of those uh, Northern Caucus Dagestani guys. A lot of them, whether they're more Sambo stylists, uh, wrestler uh, hybrids like Khabib or um, uh, why is it escaping me? Wushu Sanda stylist even. A lot of them are all predicate a lot of their takedowns off the clinch there. Um, so that's where you're going to look for that as far as he be, he be getting it to the ground because uh, again he's got really nice boxing in space that uh, uppercut sliding he hits on uh, Mike Santiago and of course everybody remembers the the kicks um, his kicking abilities, but I mean, it's it's his it's his counter wrestling and wrestling and little grappling things he does in space and, and traps. How he uses his limbs in transit, it's just so beautiful. Watch, I could pontificate for for a minute on that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to move on to the next fight. 
Um, wow, is this? Did I just say Mike Rodriguez? Maybe there is two Mike Rodriguez's. I guess uh, I was referring to the 145 one that fought the beat. But yeah, there's one that was on Dana White Contender Series. So you remember hitting a flying knee. Speaking of flying stuff, he is finally uh, fighting again, and of course, fighting in the UFC, getting the vacation he was calling for post fight with Laura Sanko. He meets Devin Clark. Uh, the line's even up to minus 110. Clark was the favorite. I'm not sure the opener. But the public crept up because I could see why. Uh, despite being somebody who was higher on Devin Clark than most, I will say, picked him against Jan. Of course, corrected there and, and, and accordingly. Uh, Jan came through in the last fight, in fact. And that was, that was uh, shouts to that fight. That was a surprisingly entertaining fight. Didn't expect it to be. No one did. And then, um, but yeah, and then Devin Clark kind of have to, hmm. Wave some eyebrows, right? But I got to imagine he will still be the more popular guy. I got to imagine still he will be, uh, you know, we'll talk about that more in, in, in DraftKings, but uh, imagine he'll be more on there because he's, you know, a veteran and a wrestler, uh, you know, on, on paper, you know, more not veteran, but, you know, more UFC experience and a wrestler. That, that's going to, that may provide the uh, smidgen of confidence that some people might need, but... The Mike Rodriguez factor is just a lot for me. I really impressed what he was doing on the ground. It wasn't so much to stand up on the feet, you know, although Muay Thai and those kind of martial arts is where he started from, you know, about 10 or 11 years ago. But uh, he, uh, you know, trained at some some decent camps, found helmet lows on MMA, and the grappling on the regional scene, some of that footage there, actually, not that much footage on him, mind you, but uh, what sold me, really impressed with what he was doing. His uh, corner was calling out for... Certain things wrestling-wise, as far as defensive wrestling, like wizard down, head base out, and he was responding right away. Um, things you want to see, especially a guy that's going to be wanting to take him down. It's going to have something to prove, like a Devin Clark. Um, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely things you like to see. Does that mean he's going to stop Devin Clark from getting take down? You know, probably not. Um, if he if he if he allows Devin Clark to to work enough, I mean, Devin Clark's a pretty relentless worker there, but. You know, if he gives them those long elbows, like a guy like Mark, Mike Rodriguez's long frame can provide, he's choke savvy, he's, can create a scramble, uh, can work well from top, has got some good counter-wrestling of his own. I mean, he's going to give Devin Clark something to think about, and I think that's the key. you got to give a guy like that something to think about. I mean, Devin Clark was kind of a guy who was winning fights till he wasn't. Um, you got you want to test that mental resolve. Not saying he doesn't have it, uh, just saying you got to test it. That's all, you know? Um, and, and that's what Mike Rodriguez is going to have to do. I'm reluctantly picking him. Uh, and even if I wasn't, he would probably still make the fantasy for the way this matchup is set up. And it would probably still make the avoid, which isn't done yet. Because I know I'm actually recording this earlier than I normally do. Like almost like three days earlier, like I said, which is crazy, right? Uh, anyways, but no matter how early I try to do things, the betting article, I can't. Because as you know, I have to write them based on current odds. So a lot of these things get bet out of range. Um, and it makes it challenging. Uh, more challenging to write. And then, of course, more challenging to get ahead. But hey, that is life. But just uh, just explaining for those who aren't aware... Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to end up on my void list, but it's one of those fights where, yeah, be careful. All right, next fight. Ashley Evans-Smith versus Beck Rawlings. Not much to say here. The line's actually right. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to have any parlay pieces here, but, like, Evans-Smith would actually be a close one. I know, you know, it's, it's a female fight, and, you know, the swings can, you know, you never know what those. Uh, no offense to the ladies. You know, I love the ladies, but, you know, let's just be real here. The sample size is still making it a bit shaky, and I think the results kind of, 
prove that if we go in odds to result ratio there. Uh, but Ashley Evans Smith, uh, just one of those girls, just kind of you know, just just in the process of putting it together. Uh, she's had her falters here, or there, of course, uh, definitely, of course, like any other fighter. But I uh, always really like kind of a wrestle boxing flow. You can see there's a lot there, just needing to put it together. And she's been putting that work in, whether it's with Casey Halstead up here at Tenth Planet, uh, classic MMA down over in California. She's, you know, she's been cross training with a lot of. Uh, I can't think of off the top of my head. It's been a couple days since I researched the fight, but yeah. Um, She's been doing the work, putting in the work, uh, evolving. Whereas, you know, Beck Rawlings, who I've actually, you know, not been a, a big hater on as as, as most, uh, you know, um, but at the same time, uh, she's not evolved really much, you know. Uh, yeah, she's tough and young. She's got better better stand up than most give her credit for and and whatnot. Sure, uh, the things I've I, 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 I've defended her on before, but but you know, it starts getting real thin, thin when you get out of that and against a, a someone with better footwork uh, and a be better output and is growing at a better rate. Um, I just see Ashley Evans-Smith running away for, with this fight. She seems really motivated. It's her first fight down at 125, granted, but she's going to have that size over Breck Wallings. Keep in mind, Breck Wallings, who complained about the size. Well, granted, Jessica Rose Clark is a, a strong 125-er, so she should have complained about that, I, I guess. and uh, Maybe not should have, but, you know, it, I get it. Um, but uh, whether she should have verbalized is another issue, I guess I should, should say. But yeah, I see Smith taking this one. All right, next fight, Alex Caceres, minus 155. Uh, Artem Lobov, comeback, plus 135. Lobov gets no respect. Um, I can see Lobov just cracking Caceres' chin and reminding us that Caceres' chin's been shaken for a minute here. Uh, but that said, Caceres' movement, I see it posing problems similar to Feely. I don't think Caceres is the same wrestling as Feely. Feely has underrated wrestling, um, which I think was kind of brought to light recently now, but, but he's kind of always had that to a certain extent. I don't know if Caceres necessarily does. His jiu-jitsu is, is another question. Is, is right up there with a, with a Feely and above Lobov, I believe. But um, but the wrestling, though, you know, that's usually the stifling factor for Lobov traditionally. I'm not sure it's going to be enough or there or the striking is going to be enough. Uh, I think Lobov was pretty live here. I thought about picking him, but after watching some more tape, not quite ready to give up on Caceres, you know. Uh, so I picked him, but this is uh, this one I, I can say will probably be on my avoid list. So be careful. I wouldn't even t touch it for fantasy or anything. I'm just staying away from that one. All right, Evan Donham, minus 150. Aubin Mercier, plus 130. Uh, again, betting article not done yet, but... Uh, Assuming you, I don't think I don't think so because uh, Evan Dunham's not a popular guy. But assuming he doesn't get bet out of uh, bet out of range, um, I'm gonna be he's gonna be a straight bet for me, Evan Dunham. Uh, this is a is kind of matchup. It's, it's it's a weird matchup for both. It's getting put together. You know, Evan Dunham lost his original opponent, which is that's bum, man. Maribek Tyson that was that's another fight, right? But this is a much better, a safer matchup. I think we all can agree. Even if you aren't picking Evan Dunham, I think you could agree this is a less volatile, safer matchup for him. And he's rightfully favored because if you look at it, Evan Dunham's done really good against grapplers. Doesn't matter how good of grapplers they were, he's done really good of them. Even RDA, who, if you look at that fight, Dunham won that fight. It was in Brazil. Um, but uh, you know, and he's lost a lot of decisions like that. Uh, TJ Grant, which is a closer fight and an amazing fight, so no robbery or anything there. But you could argue that he won that fight, but just that cut that he suffered um, made him lose that. Of course, we all remember the Sean Shirk fight. Got robbed there. I think it's safe to say that one. You can say robbery. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, so he's 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 definitely been on the wrong end. But but in more recent times, more modern times, he really does well in those matchups. He puts volume on guys. You know, he's got underrated wrestling, and if he does get taken down, his submission defense and scrambling is on point. Even with vicious guys like uh, Rick Glenn coming at him Terminator style, or uh, even when he's rocked and got Benil Daryush all over him. You know, say what you will about Benil Daryush, and your your are anyone's suspicions about him or his chin, but. When you're hurt like that in a fight against a guy as talented and capable as in Darius, you're you're dead to rights in trouble. And we saw um, Dunham fight valiantly. You know he's going to fight for your money even at this stage in his career. If anything, you say he's always gotten better. He's one of those guys where he got got away from the big camp, but's focusing more on himself. And he's already been doing that. He's already dialed in with balancing the coaching, balancing the self camp, seeing the benefits and the positive results from the self camp. And now he's got the UFC PI where the UFC PI, I'm the first to say, you know, I think people need to remember you need coaches, martial arts. It has nothing to do with that. Like, that's just a recovery place. Like, you know, it's amazing, but it's not It's not like a camp. You know, you hear this conversation brought up a lot with Nganu. But for a guy like Dunham, a vet who already has his camp together, he's already well-established in Vegas. And let's be honest, recovery is the biggest, probably way more, even more important for these vet, veteran guys to keep going. Shit, I think he's like one of the perfect candidates for using the UOCPI. And, and and he doesn't have to invite the guys into his school and make makeshift, you know, training sessions. Now he just goes there, right down the street. Um, so, I mean, you know, and he's just focused. He's not getting bothered with the media. He never gets bothered by, by crap talking when guys try to call him out. Um, so, um, yeah, man, I, I, I just I, I like the spot here. It's very bettable. And, uh, Oh, Dan, yeah, Dunham's the guy choking you out on the Protecting Neck podcast, and you know him, it's biased. Yeah, there's there's definitely a bias there, for sure. But for the reasons why I laid out, this is something that's really common if you look at my analysis and betting trends even. it's very. I, I love these guys. I love these grinding guys who don't get a lot of credit. <laughs> They're great bets. And I'm not the only um, person who... who uh, Looks for those type of angles or plays them. So that's that's that there. There's a nod there. I can tell you that's already going to be on it. All right, next one. Um, Joe Lowe's on, minus 185. Uh, Chris Grutzmacher, plus 160. This is one where it's like I come in siding with Lowe's on, and then I'm still siding with Lowe's on, but just not as, as strongly. Um, I don't think it's going to be on the avoid list or anything like that, but it's just, man, just watching Lowe's on take a shot, see the shot, or just essentially not see the shots as well the last couple fights um really worried me man i mean i know it was kind of fodder talk possibility and uh i I don't know maybe after the last one i just looked at it more with a serious eye um and uh and yeah you know it it makes sense i mean joe lozon's always been an overperformer. we kind of talked about it in the top five usa debuts with jordan killing you know he's a computer nerd who's we look at his fights he you know, he didn't doesn't look any more impressive than he does now. Physically, of course, his skills got way better now. But but as far as physically, he looked the same back then. Uh, of course, his skills weren't as good back then. He was just using heel hooks and like you know, like little craft crafty guy submissions to win MMA fights. Like he was one of those dudes where it's like, oh, it's one of those smart kids that's gonna fight some amateur fights and that's it. And he keeps going. He fights pro and you know, gosh, shit, he's you know like and then he comes in and knocks Jens Pulver out in his debut. And since then, you know, all these bonuses, and, and again, you just go go down his stats as far as that, and go down his resume, and just cons- be consistently in, in the Shark Tank in the deepest of divisions. Like so much respect, but how long is that ride supposed to go? As much as I'm a fan and you're a fan, and we love Joe Lozon. 
You know, so it comes to a point where, yeah, a guy like Chris Grutzmacher doesn't look like he's got the most KO power or submission threats, but he's a grindy guy. You know, I mean, he could grind Joe out. There's a cardio thing, right? But then you look like maybe this guy could even knock Joe out, you know, where he's at. You don't, you don't know, or at least rock him. And if it catch something, maybe even on Joe, like it's, it's, it sounds crazy, I know, but it's just, you know, it, <clears throat> the sport's so brutal, and I, even though I'm picking Joe, I don't, I, what I guess what I'm trying to say is we need to stop being surprised if these things happen, because they just, they just, they just, there's only one way out. It just chews up, chews you up if you stay long enough. And, uh, and yeah, and, and, and that's no different. So I'll be rooting for Joe Lozon. Um, I think his, I think his aggression and, Grutz's typical slow starts will, will, will give Joe his window, but the problem is if Joe takes a shot in those windows and misses, you know, fucking Omar from The Wire, you know, take a shot. <laughs> take a shot. God, fucking... Uh, now now I, could, I could hear fucking Kyle Marley cursing me out because I think this is his name, but take the shot of the devil, you better not miss. But yeah, uh, I love The Wire, although uh, clearly not much because I... Can't quote it. Sorry, I'm going to blame sleep on that one. I really do love The Wire. McNulty. Everybody wants to be bubbles. Um, but yeah, uh, I got Joe Lowe's on. All right, Ray Borg, minus 290 now. For, up from the opener, minus 280. Plus 245, comeback on Brandon Moreno. Had Ray Borg going in, but this line seemed off. I think he should be favored. And then as I looked at it more, I actually ended up siding with Brandon Moreno. Um, I picked him for Sergio Pettis. And I still think it could have been a winnable fight, even though I do believe Sergio should have been rightfully favored to win that fight. Uh, but, uh, you know, Moreno had that questionable wavy hand crap, and you know, I think later when said, oh, we had a bad game plan, clearly, kid. But hey, he's a kid. You're going to have those ones, and he was he was kind of jumping around. He's still jumping around now, but in a good way. You know, he spent about a month or so or half a month wrestling at uh, with Daryl Lynch, Leach, or whatever that name is, at, at Club 540 in San Diego, um, and of course, you know, home base and Trump gym, which I know it's in Mexico, but Hey, it's underrated. And then spent at least a solid month at extreme couture where again, from what I hear from fighters, all gamut, he was doing quite well. And everybody I spoke to had nothing but good things to say. So again, that shouldn't surprise you. If you look at Brandon Moreno's fights, he makes fight-to-fight skill jumps, whereas that's why the line surprised me. Ray Borg's always been good from the start. He should be, he's good now. He should be the favorite. But his archetype's more of a common one. He's a submission grappler guy who is a wrestling base and kind of, you know, had that forward engine wrestling, top submissions, scrambles, I'm a flyweight, I'm a wrestler. It all kind of makes sense for who he is. The, the striking is the last to come along, okay. The wrestling starts to get a bit sharper, sure. The submissions start to get a bit sharper, sure. But but it's a it's a it's a gradual upward trajectory in a very familiar archetype. Whereas Moreno, more potent on all ends, right? We even saw him rock Dustin Ortiz, who a uh, mid Renaissance on the upswing. Dustin Ortiz, a durable Dustin Ortiz, a Dustin Ortiz who, if anything, has made the most improvements on the last couple of years, has been his striking. Dustin Ortiz and Moreno rocked him and finished him with a choke. Um, Moreno's so he's striking, his scrambling. Uh, the only thing he was kind of miss his wrestling, but that you know it, clearly he's been been putting some work on that. You know it's almost it's been almost nine months since we've seen him last, which is a lifetime for kids that young, especially again like I just said, ones that are proven 
to make fight to fight improvements. So uh, I, I really like I, I really like Moreno here. Um, even if you're not picking him, I, I it's like one of those. I, I don't blame anybody for just sprinkling a couple ducats, putting them on your fantasy lineup. Uh, hint, hint, he's on mine. He's really really cheap as well because um, the prices don't move there. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, I, I really. You know, and, and I, I really, I really, I really like uh, like that. And how many times have we seen, especially in, in the flyweight uh, division, uh, maybe not especially, maybe it was just Wilson Hayes, but you, you see those guys, maybe not actually, a lot, a lot of those guys, they'll lose their next fight after uh, the title shot. Well, not just the flyweight, all divisions, we see that, you know, because they're they're riding high. They're like, you know, I may have lost, but it was to the champion, right? They got a little bit of that money. They got a little bit of the camera time. Maybe now they have a little more opportunities. They did a little bit of traveling. They've been a little more well-known in between fights, right? The odds makers are giving them more respect because the odds makers, whether the good ones or the bad ones, always do that. We've seen it. It's like a setup fight. Like It's almost like when you lose a championship fight, your next fight in that sense is almost a trap fight by default. Um, so again, like, don't be shocked if the two minus two ninety favorite drops the ball here on this one. Uh, nothing against Ray Borg; he's a really nice guy, by the way. Like, I'm not wishing him ill by that, like, yeah, obviously. But yeah, just it's, it's what it is. All right, next fight again. This is one of those. Why is such a good card? Because there are live dogs and there are cases for him. I don't. Dis- I think the, the odds are right here, but I'm going with the dog. I I, I, I like Felice Herrick, who's actually moved up to a plus one fifty. Again, she's not a popular one, um, which is fine. I, it's, I think I made money on her the last two or three times out now against Carolina Kovalkiewicz, minus one seventy. And I love Carolina in, in many ways. Many ways, Dan Easy. Um, but uh, you know, and and Carolina, you know, like I was talking to Keith Lee uh, today, Kevin Lee's brother. It's great, great breakdown, and kid surprises me. He watches a lot of footage. And he's making some good points because not only does he watch a lot of footage in the normal, but he's working on this thing in his game where it's pace. You know, Keith was like, you know, go with guys like Joe Benavidez, and they're so good at making you go at your own pace. And, and, and some fighters are good at doing that. And when you, your pace is so important in these lighter weight female divisions because if you're durable and can set a high pace, like, and you're strong in the clinch, you can defend a takedown, like, that takes you so far. It's, it's ridiculous. Or you're a wrestler, you're durable, you can defend a submission, but you just set that pace. Like, that'll win you fights in, in, in these lower-weight female divisions. Um, again, I'm not saying that in a demeaning way. It's, it's a very truthful way. It's just, you you know, um, and they're very they're very valuable attributes. And Karolina Kowalkiewicz has that in spades. Those attributes, I always say it all the time, they can take you to a title shot, and she's proof of it. Um, you might not be able to win those top fights. Is, is Herrig a top fight? You know, on paper, not, not, not necessarily. No, she's not. She should be ranked higher than she is, sure, but... No, I get that. She's not. She's not the elite. Uh, she's on her way to p- having her chance to prove it here for sure. Uh, and I'm picking her to win. But 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 yeah, no. On paper, you know, Carolina Kovalkiewicz should be favored to win here. You know, footwork and pace is going to be a problem. And like Keith was saying, he sees Felice kind of kind of fight at their opponent's pace, which is true. But she's made making this quiet renaissance that I've been noticing. Not a lot of people have been picking up on. And I was a little late. I think I picked Grosso or, or against her, I believe. And um, and yeah, um, or maybe not. Sorry, I'm, I'm I'm all over the place. I don't have my notes in front of me, as you can tell. But yeah, anyways, I I picked up on it. Uh, and, and she 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 you know she won me over. Um, took her against uh, Merrick. 
Uh, Justine Keish, who I like, again, another, again, durable and durability and volume, right? Should, should have beat Felice Herrig there, but um, the takedowns were going to be in the, the grappling and the half guard was something I highlighted in my breakdown. I ended up playing a big difference, obviously. I don't see the takedowns being a big difference here, but I do see the pressure paying off if she, uh, going for him. Um, it's just Carolina's hard to pin down and take down. And I think Felice is strong and, and, and can surprise. But if she can't, I think the pressure is going to pay off well. And Felice, man, her le her, her left hook, her, her feints, and her entries have been a lot better. And Carolina um, has always been hittable. So I think that she can really throw off the rhythm there. And either whether she wants to use it to kind of close and skip in and hit like she's been doing. Or skip in and clinch and take down. I think both those options are going to be there again. The taking down is going to be a lot harder than, than hitting Carolina. Carolina is there to be hit. Uh, the takedown's deceptively better than, than she may look, even though she kind of stands narrow. But but there's going to be opportunities there, um, especially you look at these quiet improvements. I know Felice just posts strength and conditioning stuff, but there's 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 fundamental improvements in her striking that's going on here. Um, for those watching, again, not huge, not world-beating, not watch-out title. There's someone coming, you know. I'm not saying she can't, obviously, but I'm just just saying, you know, I'm I'm not 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 getting crazy here. I know it's a close fight. This might even end up being on my avoid list, um, maybe on my fantasy, you know. But uh, it ain't even on my fantasy. But uh, I got Herrick here. All right, I'm gonna jump straight into the main event. We got Paul Felder underdog plus 105. Um, Ally Quinta minus 125. I'm hoping Felder stays as an underdog, but even if he starts again, kind of a theme here. Dan picks and or plays. <laughs> As playing a lot of people who usually don't get respect, but there's there's of course like all my decisions there there's analysis to back it up here, and um, and yeah I I, I I I like I like Felder here man he's gonna be a straight play. How I Quinn has only fought once since the fight against uh, 2015 against Jorge Moss was all fight where he's lost, and I don't know where his head's at man with the real estate and whatnot. I mean I I I. I he comes. He came in great shape. I'm sure he's gonna come in great shape again. He's working at a really great spot. I mean, everyone talks about the USCPI, but the New York Sports Science Lab's great. Of course, Ray Longo and all his training partners there, and the cross training that he may or may not be doing. Again, I don't know, but he he's got the resources around him if he wants. He's a talented kid. He's truly can do it all. You know, he can wrestle. He can dive for leg locks. He can fight off his back. He can scramble. Um, Aside from some freak submissions or really good submission players, he's shown to defend, defend submissions well. Uh, he can counter. Uh, he can come forward, pressure, pressure and counter, sticks and moves. Um, some decent leg kicks as well, underrated. Uh, so, so Al really can do it all, but so can Felder. You know, I think Felder's got really underrated wrestling. Uh, I think it's only improving. If Al does get him down, Felder, even in his early days, um, when he first got in the UFC, uh, regional scene he also had a really good butterfly guard underrated ground game but good butterfly guard can get up really well works well off and against the fence uh, obviously super strong in the clinch so it's going to be dangerous because if Al hits and misses then he's stuck fighting inside the clinch and even against a strong durable guy like we saw with Stevie Ray you don't want to be there with Paul Felder he, he's got the knees elbows um, and whatnot so it's going to be a real double-edged sword if Al tries to shoot uh, and, you know, coming in and doing the, the hand traps, I mean, we saw that kind of uh, from the Alejandro Ricci fight and onward. I mean, Paul is just really developing this new game. He's really coming to life. He's really found a, a guy he jives with, to make, which makes sense, you know. 
Paul's a Muay Thai Taekwondo guy, and and you know, Duke Rufus comes from that same same background. You know, traditional martial arts, Taekwondo, PK, karate, and then eventually, Duke adopted the Muay Thai himself. So, um, I like Paul there. He's going to be a play. All right, Mike Chiesa minus one forty, Anthony Pettis plus one twenty. Uh, Anthony Pettis, uh, this was a tough one. I think Anthony Pettis actually should be the favorite despite my pick here. I think Anthony Pettis should be the favorite. More ways to win. Underrated wrestling. Underrated grappling. Whenever guys get his back, Mike Chiesa's favorite spot. That's his strongest spot, of course, aside from his last fight where he tapped because uh, of a rib injury, which, by the way, I, I popped rib cartilage bridging out of similar positions. So I immediately knew before, before it was official just by watching it. So no shame there, not not hating on Pettis. He's actually really good from those positions, but still, um, aside from the, the the narrative of Pettis, everybody being down on him, uh, which I gotta admit, you know, it does play a bit into it, and I really tried hard to fight it. But even fighting it and looking at the, anal uh, the analysis, uh, I always find ways holes in Kiesa. Like, oh, he's gonna get hit with the body kick and this and that. But against you know, Southpaws, he's three and zero. Now, this is what's tricky. When Anthony Pettis fights Southpaw, he likes to go orthodox. So that body kick could still be in play, all of the Benson Henderson fight. Like, I could see him blasting him there, but I keep saying that about all Kiesa's opponents. He keeps proving me wrong. And now he's been actually working with a good striking coach for the last six months, John Wood, Syndicate MMA, training down here. Um, even though he still is connected with Rick Little and was still trained down there, um, he's been making trips and then did the last solid like three months down here uh, in Vegas. Um, just re got a lot to prove, a chip on his shoulder. He always bounces back from losses. I um, mean, even in his losses, you know, uh, I thought he was going out, uh, and, and, um, you know, despite his, his, his contesting it. But if you look at it, it's true. It's been official stepping in. It hasn't been him tapping or getting knocked out, even when he, whether he was TKO'd by Lozon or um, submitted by uh, by Lee. But, yeah. Either way, um, you know, I think he's going to turn it into a dogfight. That's what he does best. Um, Mike, he, has, uh, he actually hurts more guys than you realize when you go back and watch his footage. He's just usually, like, falling over top of him after, like, connecting with him and getting into his game. But uh, Pettis is not beyond, you know, being hit. He's got a good counter right hand. But uh, Pettis isn't beyond being hit and being pushed to the fence, you know. Um and even in his wins, you know, it was impressive that he came back from adversity against Charles Oliveira. But we see Charles Oliveira kind of, you hate to accuse a guy of checking out or quitting, but we, we've seen Charles Oliveira being suspect of that. And I love Jim Miller. You know I love Jim Miller, but Jim Miller fought that fight the way he shouldn't have. Jim Miller fought the countering Jim Miller instead of the pressuring Jim Miller. And you all know, we all know we need to pressure Pettis, and, and, and that's my kiss. So he is a pressure fighter. Um you see him fight through injury, adversity, having to shoot his pants, uh, beating guys in his strengths when odds makers, myself, many times, thought he couldn't. So I will be picking Kiesa here, but it is a reluctant one. Um, I actually would probably be playing the under for a prop. So that is probably the, the front runner right now because regardless who wins, I see a finish, whether it's a body kick or even a submission by Pettis or a submission by Kiesa. Um, these guys both had a lot to prove, and I think they're going to come and try to tear each other apart. So that under, minus 
uh, plus 115 uh, for under two and a half rounds. That's awfully tempting. All right, next fight, Anato Moicano, plus 100. Calvin Guitar, minus 120. Close fight, but the odds are, are closely right because it is a close fight. And, and uh, I do slightly favor uh, Calvin Cater, who I am picking over Anato Moicano. Um, essentially, I like just 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 Cater finally won me over. And not that he didn't win me over. I, even last fight, as much as I love Shane Burgos, it was tough for me to pick because, you know, at that point, Calvin Cater won me over as far as, okay, this guy's for real. It was just hard because, you know me, I'm, I'm a stickler when it comes to sample size, and the sample size was off, but after seeing more footage, talking to him actually recently in an interview, um, the dude just so, his composure in and out of the cage, his mind is just so right. That time off that I was worried about, it's one of the few guys where you could say it was a strength. He got better both physically, mentally, and just overall. Um, and he's proven it. He's proven it in big cards, big spots, against deceptively tough opponents, whether you think about Feely or Burgos. Those guys are tough, man. And I'm really high on Burgos. A lot of people are. And uh, we saw what he did, and, and it wasn't easy. He had to go through a bit of adversity, but he he kept composed, and that jab was on point. He could fight from both stances, but that jab from the orthodox stance, his rhythm, his timing, when he starts when he starts doing his pull counters over the top with the right hand, it's just it's beautiful, and I think those are going to be there. It's he, he throws his shots lighter, shorter, straighter, uh, then Moicano, who Moicano can throw going forward and he can counter, but they're just kind of rote triggers there that cross hook, hook cross, right? And his head stays stationary. He's like one of those, uh, he's just, yeah, like uh, his head just stays stationary, like uh, left, right, left, right, but the head, the head kind of stays there, right? Like, uh, God, I can't think of it. Uh, I was trying to think of those like, uh, cheap looking ball in a cup toys, but it's, uh, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a person and you spin it anyway sorry uh but it looks like a person punching but the head stays stationary while the punches go left or right like that's what he looks like you know not, not that terrible a technique obviously but as far as where his head plate where as far as how he's moving to where his head is, is staying that's a Hinato Moicano right there um and I see that jab just being there all day the problem is Moicano has been doing this is his first full camp at American top team his last fight he's had a lot of time to get better and I imagine he will he's a young guy he's a talented guy only did a partial camp in American Top Team. Mike Brown was in the show. Uh, did his first full camp. Mike Brown was very high on him, though he won't be in his corner. Um, stuff I'll kind of touch on a little later as well. So I'm kind of brushing through. So sorry. But the, in other words, the wrestling is the key. You know, is he going to go back to his wrestling? Because that could help him score cards. And that could, you know, maybe test uh, Calvin Cater's takedown defense. We don't have a good sample of his takedown defense or ground game. The little brief instances we've shown is where he's putting his hips and grips are beautiful. I love what I see. Everything looks to be in place as far as defense. When he hits the ground, he puts his hands in the biceps, even when he was getting excited for a finish. Uh, Calvin Calvin Cater. Um, I like where he puts his hips. Uh, everything is fundamentally intact, but we still haven't seen a lot. We haven't seen a lot against a, a guy like Moicano, who despite being submitted by Ortega, is good on the ground. Though his uh, credentials can be shaky depending on where you're looking. But uh, I got Cater. It's a close fight. Staying away. All right, Nami Yunus uh, moved up to minus 105 from plus 100 to Yanjecek down to minus 115. Close as it should be, a lot of narrative into this one. I break it down more in depth, but essentially, uh, even though I picked Yanjecek the first time, I, I still didn't think that the eyes should have been that wide, though I did think Yanjecek should have been favored. That same opinion carries here. I still think Yanjecek should be favored. Um, technically, you know... Uh, I want to say a superior fighter, but Rose, more well-rounded, more creative, right? Uh, on the ground, 
underrated wrestling, and I think that wrestling is going to come into play because I think Rose is going to play off her previously established striking threats on the feet. The beautiful feints she used, she was using beautiful feints in the first fight to draw the parries out, control distance, and which opened up the left hooks that dropped her not once but twice. Um, I'm sure in Jay Chicken or Camp addressed that. But there's there, there's the mental stuff at play, and I don't like what I've heard in interviews. Um, I played devil's advocate a bit to my host, George, Gorgeous George. It's not that I disagree with him. I actually, you know, kind of agree with him, and, and I'm and I'm picking Rose here. But uh, but but yeah, uh, when I went back to look, I thought there was more where she was giving Rose credit and addressing things, and I, I and then I heard, then I went to watch more recent ones, and yeah, that that just it just it it it, it undid any of the positive ones you could dig up on Joanna, and uh, I didn't like where her head's at. She's talking about being remembered and what she likes to do outside of the fights and her life outside and camera and just stuff that just didn't have to do with fighting, and it was really worrisome. And then there's the whole, is she really giving Rose the due credit, which is subject to question, right? And and how's that going to play in the fight? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um but uh, I felt bad against growing rose the first time, and uh, that's not the sole reason, obviously. There's analysis that goes into it, like I just gave. I really do think the wrestling threats are going to prove into it. And I think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be surprisingly like a dominant. You know, It's not going to be like a lucky shot thing. I think she's going to have a somewhat dominant performance, whether it still ends in the second or third round or goes to the fourth or fifth or decision. I think Rose is going to put on a much more convincing performance this time around. And it's going to leave us with the narrative going, does Rose have her number? And, you know, that, that could be it. That, that, that could be it. We'll see. Or again, JJ could just win and make us all look dumb, right? Sure, that could happen too. I really wouldn't be surprised. Um, over-unders get tricky to play here. I'm staying away. Uh, if Rose uh, goes back down to dog money, I'll play her. I'm clearly late on my plays. All right, but next fight, uh, Max Holloway plus 375, Khabib Nurmagomedov minus 470. Um, yeah, man, you know you know the deal here. My heart's with Hawaii. I'm, uh, I'm rooting for Holloway. I'm going to sprinkle money on Holloway, but the pick is Nurmagomedov, and rightfully so. Um, I think Max Holloway's got, I, I outlined it, you know, he's got really underrated takedown defense as far as risk, risk control, grips, and hips. Um, and again, this is nothing new. If you look at my breakdowns on Holloway, this is something I've talked about for a while now. I also talk about his building style. Unfortunately, the building style won't have play here. Uh, you're not going to build against a, a guy, a pressure wrestler, especially a pressure wrestler that doesn't get tired. Um, so that dynamic's out. One punch knockout power is not out. But there's the jab. You know, um, Khabib shells, but that that straight line jab's going to be there. Now Max's jab doesn't come at an up angle like Tony's. That's another reason why I like Tony in that matchup because Tony's jab comes at an up angle when you have a guy that shells. Shells little in the style that Khabib does and dips, that up jab's going to catch him a lot of the times. Uh, whereas Max's straight shot still can. He, he, you know, he's accurate enough, he's fast enough to go pinpoint down the guard. But it's going to be something like that that has to stun Khabib, who could be having a bad weight cut here, you know. He uh, was hard to find for some media obligations and uh, looked really drawn out. Skipped the open workout, as in turned it into a Q&A, which could be code for him not feeling well. And we've seen crazier things happen, you know. When these things happen, it messes with the guy's weight cut. It makes it harder, you know. Cormier admitted it uh, with his John Jones UFC 200 situation. Very similar. I, I was at that one, too. And so weird performance from Cormier, weird weight cut, and he admitted it later. 
So it could be something like that, you know. That, that that's where I see Holloway winning. You know, he sounds right going into it. The weight cut apparently is not going to be as daunting, but you know, you never know with him either. We'll see how they make the scales. Let's knock on wood. But but yeah, the picks could be. All right. With no further ado, let's kick it over to my friend Jordan Fiegelman on that beat, and uh, we're going to talk some fantasy sports for UFC 223 right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast. All right, and we're back, slash, we're still here, slash, yeah, we're, we're, we're here. <laughs> here with my man, Jordan Fiegelman, at Ordination Sports, without the O, on Twitter, uh, what's up, Jordan? What's going on, buddy? Nothing much, man. Thanks for having me back on. It seems like every time we're talking about MMA, a fight card is uh, changing. You know, uh, subs are coming in. Obviously, we don't have uh, our man Tony Ferguson anymore, but we're here. We're here nonetheless. Constellation Prize. Yeah, my man. I mean, uh, of course, I brought you on to talk fantasy, but let, let's talk about the depressing stuff first. Uh, I, yeah. I already, I already gave my thoughts by this time in the show for the audience, but, but let, let's just start first with that before we, we we jump in here. What were your thoughts, man? Where were you when when JFK was shot? Uh, what were you doing? <laughs> Tell us, man. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, one thing I, I will say is that I was away from my phone like all day that afternoon, so. And I, I, I just like don't trust anybody ever. But on that on that day, especially, you don't trust anybody, especially. But I never expected Holloway to be the one because he was coming off his injury so quickly. And like the last I heard, that you know maybe there was surgery. Who who who? All these things, right? Um, so now I, I was, what? How, how could this be? And then then you hear that it was on set doing some sort of um, you know press that he saw somebody that he knew and he turned too quickly. Sounds like my uncle, who I don't really have this uncle in this fictional world, but he stands up too fast and he hurts himself. So what's going on here, man? Dude, it it you know, especially when you you, you factor in the sunglasses uh <laughs> indoors, which is a real thing. And like I, I, you know, I, I think I, I don't I don't know if it was, you know, it comes around the time when Tony started doing this character we see him with the sunglasses. And even like uh, around UFC 194 time, I remember in, in a bar and, and looking up and seeing Tony you know, eating nachos and drinking, <laughs> drinking himself a beer. And he didn't have a fight coming up, granted, but it, it was uh, it. Well, he, he kind of did that. That was it was before the, the, the I believe the Kiesa or Khabib one to, to pull out, you know, kind of, uh, you know, maybe four or five months later. But he wasn't, you know, no contracts were signed. He was enjoying himself. But the sunglasses were on. It was nighttime. We were indoors. I was like, why are the sunglasses on? And uh, and you know he's going to cop some crap for it. But you got to feel for him. He, he lost collectively a, a, a million dollars probably even after the taxes and after he pays his coaches, you know. That, that's got to hurt. Mm-hmm. And like, if you're gonna wear the sunglasses, maybe pick the right lenses. And then also, it's like you get a situation where he is such a character. And I know it's not a direct parallel, but you know how in in like recent years, uh, Diego Sanchez has turned into kind of this eccentric uh, person where he you know does great things, but at the same time has a pretty interesting attitude in his interviews and just kind of rambles on about different things and you know continue, continue, continue. I kind of see Tony Ferguson as like maybe the junior Diego Sanchez picking that up. We'll see how that continues uh, moving forward. But I feel 
feel for him. I feel for the fans. Uh, got a good undercard, a lot of fights, even on the like the fight pass portion of the show. So uh, we got a lot to talk about. So I'm pumped either way, right? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, people were asking me, like, hey, you bought tickets for this the, the, this car? You're going all the way out there? Like, does that bum me? I'm like, yeah, it does. But, you know, part of the reason why I bought tickets to the cart, A, I mean, people don't know, obviously, you know, from from Brooklyn, have roots there, uh, love food, miss my miss my places there. So, I mean, I you know, and it was a stack, honestly, more importantly than the food. I'm kidding. It was a stacked card from top to bottom, you know. So you had the best of both worlds. You have the title fights, the pay-per-view card, the pay-per-view feel especially when it was Tony and Khabib, but you also had the, well, those top-to-bottom cards. I always mention it, you know, like the Garbrandt-Almeida fight night going back a couple years to UFC Norfolk going back last year. You have these, like, mm-hmm. it, had the, the, that, it had that stack fight night card feel where it's like, this is for you, hardcore. It's like, it had it had all yeah. those, so I, I knew that there's was, there was, there was going to be insurance on this either way. This is one of those fight cards that ruins all the other fight cards. You know what I mean? That, like, it messes the whole cycle up. Even, even look as far down as, like, Caceres, Loboff. They both headline different fight nights. True. You know, and that, and they're on the fight pass prelims. Uh, Beck has been pretty high up on fight cards, too, if I can remember correctly. I'm not positive. And then, obviously, you have the Carolina Kowakowicz or whatever I pronounce it incorrectly, but she's been high up. Then you also have Kiesa, all these people. It's crazy. Right. No, hundred percent, man. But at the top of it, Max Holloway gets inserted into the fold. And, uh, mm-hmm. before we, before we get your thoughts on that, one of the things I was going to pitch to you, because this, you know, I, you know, I already gave my thoughts on it and people priority who, who know me don't knew my thoughts probably already, but I was picking Tony going into the fight, but I also was, under the assumption Khabib was going to get a lot of takedowns as Tony succeeds takedowns, damage, and offense, but he, he's a finisher himself and puts out a lot of offense himself and was going to ask you with the five-round sensibilities and the, just the, the rarity of that matchup. You have one guy so dominant in the takedown department, which obviously scores high with fantasy, and then another guy who can not just work at a high pace but recover and just continue that pace, take it, and provenly come back. Was that kind of a perfect storm to stack your lineup if that matchup held together, Jordan? Uh, probably not. I mean, you're you're talking about um, I I can't. Let's see what what were their price. So Ferguson was seventy one hundred and Nagamadoff is ninety one hundred. I don't know. I think that um, I understand where you're coming from and picking Ferguson, but I, I don't know. I, I I just disagree, right? I mean. Right. Uh, Khabib is Khabib, and uh, it's hard to push a pace against a bear and, you know, an eagle. You know, it's tough to do these things against, uh, you know, immortal men. Uh, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a fanboy, not majorly, but uh, I really I really respect his ground game. And obviously Ferguson has a very good – I feel like his offensive ground, he's better on the ground offensively. He At least it stands out to me some of the stuff he does in, in the grappling world, but – I just the nothing really stood out to me more than Khabib just you know full on taking down Michael Johnson and just you know getting him in that crucifix and just wailing on him. That image is just like imprinted into my brain right now. Yeah, and yeah. obviously Holloway is um, you know he's a good value at seventy one hundred. I like when DraftKings kind of um, you know swaps in the same price like. You know, they both are 7,100. They fit in similar odds, I guess. But Holloway, that would be a great story. You know, I would love to see it. I love, I like Max probably just as much as Khabib. He's a gr- I would love to see Max versus Connor. I love the potential storylines 
of what happens with this guy, Max, who has been chirping at Connor, holding the same belts that he once hold that Connor once held. These are interesting storylines, but at the same time, like I'm trying to make money. Right. right. So, and it's also, there's a lot of value on this card. So I find it easy to have someone like Khabib, um, where I don't know, like, I don't feel as confident in young J I don't feel as confident as Nama Yunez. I like those plays. And then if you compare some of the other guys on the card, right? Like we'll talk about them all, but, or we'll jump around obviously, but you have Joe Lozon at 8,900. I would rather have Khabib for 300, for uh, 300 more, 200 more, excuse me. And you know, uh, Ray Borg at 92, Ray Borg more than Khabib. I don't, I mean, Moreno is no slouch. Uh, I don't know. It, it becomes tough when you talk about these intangibles of, you know, taking a fight on six days and we have any, we don't even know if he's going to make weight yet. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to get myself worked up. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I was going to actually ask you to backtrack. Like, I, I don't blame anybody for picking Nurmagomedov against Tony, obviously. Uh, and I, I love Nurmagomedov's game. Um, but uh, without getting too too deep into that breakdown, since the fight's not going to happen. But uh, <laughs> what, 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 but I got to ask you, though, what, why do you see value or it, maybe I misheard you, more value in, in Holloway or like Holloway in that spot? It's the same $3,000 variance or $2,000 variance, I should say, um, that Tony's getting, but you see more value in that spot, despite the intangibles you just, you just mentioned. No, 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 no. no. I'm, I'm sorry if maybe okay, I, sorry. maybe if I misspoke, okay. but okay. I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, stacking a, a main event in terms of trying to win a lot of money is tough, right? right. So yes, right. this $10 tournament, right. it's very, it's, Almost in the upper, probably like five percentile in difficulty to have a stacked lineup take down like this massive tournament where other people have very similar lineups and you're playing for like what, like maybe ten thousand dollars or something, something larger like that, right? And you right. never want to split the pot with people. You don't want to get, you know, you don't want to have ten people tied for first. That's you know, that's no fun, and you make less money. Um, when you're talking about 7,100, that's a very cheap price. I think the cheapest on this card is, I think it's a Bochniak at 6,700. Yep. And then it goes to 71 with Holloway and Ferguson. And then Herrig is right below there and Gritzmugger, et cetera. It's like, okay, at that, at that point, sure. Holloway could totally, uh, you know, I assume he's going to have the striking advantage. I think you would probably agree with me on that. Right. Yep. yep. But he could get He could hit a lucky shot. You know, every, anything could happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, the fact of, you know, a lot of the analysis out there is, is pretty correct as far as uh, the general stuff, as far as, you know, Max is more, uh, you know, not, 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 not a one-punch guy. You know, as, as, I like to, as I like to say at least, builds, he's a builder, and <laughs> that dynamic's going to be taken out because Khabib doesn't really get tired, um, you know, with the dynamic of the heavy grappling and pressure that Khabib's going to be putting on. Um, it's going to be hard to set that kind of groundwork uh, that Holloway's, you know, used to, um, and uh, so so yeah. I mean, it's it, it, it's tough, but at the same time, if Holloway does win in any hypothetical, it's going to be because he pops him with a jab coming in, and he's going to hit him enough to stun him and work off stunning him, maybe putting off volume in an ideal circumstance. That is, you know, if and mm-hmm. if if you were to ask me, uh, okay, lay out a circumstance in which if Holloway does win this, what does it look like? That's how I see it. You know, you know. Um, now is Khabib the 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 the, uh, the person to get hurt by a, uh, a a jab? No, but as I'm, as I'm sure uh, I, I laid out in the previous segment, there um, 
you know, it's funny, you know, the, the, it's something I share on Twitter too as well, so I'll just I'll share it with you to get your thoughts. Of, of the dais that happened on the press conference earlier today, the dais of the top four fighters, Nami Yunusi and Jacek Nurmagomedov Holloway, most speculation leaving it of after today and yesterday, uh, yesterday, you know, or just fight week's events, is on the person who isn't taking this fight on short notice. Not saying that, that Max Holloway on paper doesn't have the most speculation and tangible factors. Clearly he does, right? Clearly he does six days. But... He not only is coming in with a great attitude, saying everything he should say in that. You have Rose Namajunas, whether it's the, the people are pointing to this duct tape on her finger or whatever, which, I, which I'm not looking too much into. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I or, saw it, but why would she – we'll talk about that later. I know, like, why would she put it on two fingers? Like, I don't yeah, understand. I'm not, I'm not putting, paying too much attention to it, for, for example, but there's that one storyline attached to her. However insignificant it may be or you may think it may be, then you have Yen Jacek who – Again, it's it's a speculative it's a speculative narrative, but it's one that's there whether it's through her interviews, recent or past, which kind of are kind of going in conjunction, and it's been giving me flags, which is my, my why my pick is is Rose, which we can get into in that fight. We'll, we'll probably just jump into next, and then you know, uh, I didn't watch the whole media by the way, I, I, I admittedly, but you know, people were saying, you know, yeah, Jacek was acting uncharacteristically. I haven't watched it. I can't weigh in on that yet, but uh, but again, there's that, and then when their manga made off. Um, missing a lot of uh, being untracked by media today, and it wasn't like he was doing around town obligations. This was more in-house media obligations that keep those guys close. Uh, he looks really, really sucked in. He looked like he was having kind of a bad weight cut. Then you find out George Lockhart uh, separated ways that there's, you know, uh, it was quote unquote amicable, but that's never good when you're breaking it off Monday of fight week around the same time. You know, you do the math. You're like, ooh, that's around the same time George Lockhart took on Max Holloway, and then Khabib actually offers a quote. Regarding that as to the reason why. So again, if you were speculative and connecting dots, you wouldn't have been wrong with Khabib admitting himself. In other words, back to Khabib, back to this matchup. If Khabib is having trouble with a weight cut, which isn't crazy out of left field, he's admitted we've seen it with our own eyes. And dating back to his early career for people who paid attention. Um, you know, Max Holloway come in, hit him with the right shot. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, Eddie Alvarez like, you know what I'm saying? And building off of that. Crazier things have happened in MMA. Yeah. But other than that, Jordan, if you're asking me how can Max Holloway win, I'm having a hard time formulating it, which was why um, my breakdown, yeah, you know, uh, ended up ended up with the conclusion that it did. I think that Max probably has a relatively underrated takedown defense. Um, is he going to be able to stop Khabib? I don't know. He's been able to stop a, a you know a solid amount of people. I think. Yes, but I all I also you know it's a different. There's levels to this, you know, and also I feel like people aren't ever considering the fact that Holloway might even go for a takedown, and I, I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibility. He's got he's got such length, and he, he's got such a striking advantage. I think in in terms of style and, and overall, you know, like that building. Nature that really just could disrupt some pressure. So if I'm playing devil's advocate, that's like right. the game I would play. Right. Um, you want to hop into the, the the co-main? Yeah, let's let's do the co-main because um, I, by the way, I have a tip, tipping my hand here because I usually don't talk about my fantasy stuff too often, which is the great thing about having a guy like Jordan on for this segment. Thank you, sir. But I I, uh, I made room for Khabib um, for my uh, fantasy at 9100 for for the reasons I, I think I agree with you. I think I think Max is deceptively hard to take down. Um, I talk about it in my breakdown, and I've talked about it in actually many of my breakdowns with Max Holloway. You know, it, it, it comes down to his, his hand fighting and his hip grip and hip awareness there. But 
without the full camp, I don't see him defending more than a couple before Khabib eventually gets those. So I think he's gonna he's gonna be able to pay off his price there. And I didn't feel bad about putting high price guys like him or another guy, which we'll get to Jordan, because I actually uh, am on a lot of dogs, including like you said our co-main event. I'm actually on Rose. Who are you on here, and what are your feelings on this co-main event matchup, Jordan? So. I'm I'm on Rose. I think Rose is gonna win. I saw the uh, the duct tape thing. I don't I don't know what's going on. Maybe she was just playing backstage with some duct tape. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, for at a Rose all, explanation right? for sure. Yeah, like I I honestly don't think that that's less than maybe ten percent chance, right? So a um, couple things. I when I when I play you know daily fantasy when I do things in life. I don't want to be too narrative driven. I don't want to say, oh, well, you know, this guy, who bejeebies, you know, right. all of a yes. sudden, you know, uh, Joanna is acting differently. She's doing uh, uncharacteristic uh, interviews. But, you know, I listened to her interview today with uh, Ariel Hawani on the MMA Hour, and I really, really didn't like what I heard. And I know you mentioned that, uh, you know, I think on MMA Junkie this weekend when we were chatting off air, maybe uh, today, it all, all blends together. But, she was she was saying, you know, yeah, she's strong. I respect her. And then Ariel was like, oh, so what makes you think she's not strong? And uh, she's like, well, you know, someone told me that she couldn't like co-weight and she didn't want to fight. And I was just like, so you're just you're just you know you're just rambling. You're just talking shit. You don't really have like a a backbone. And I don't know. I always like on my podcast, like, I, I we talk about reality TV and different TV shows. We always like to talk about like self awareness and when like these contestants or whoever like we're talking about Survivor right now. We talk about different people who are making bad moves like if you're gonna do something stupid like after the fact i could respect when you realize how what what you're doing and what your what your impacts are i don't think that you want you want to has you know got to that point yet so i don't know but i then i think to myself jordan don't read too much into this stuff like don't think about these interviews it's it's a fight you know it's so in, so many intangible so i don't know i i would like to see rose win i you know i live in denver i don't train um, at 303 training center where she's at the grudge training center or whatever uh but she is real I, I really like her striking and I feel like maybe it's to the point where she's only going to continue getting better at striking. You know, maybe, maybe you want his game. I don't want to discount you want striking at all. Right. But I think it's, uh, is it fair to say that it's a little less creative than roses from your perspective? Um, it depends on the perspective you're looking at it. I, I, I'd say Rose is more unique. That's for sure. I mean, if you, yeah, were, that's, you that's know, the kind yeah. of perspective that I'm looking yeah, at. Yeah, you know, okay, and, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And from that perspective, I feel like Rose has a little more room to improve on that creativity and implementing it in different ways. Where Joanna is a very tight, and I don't want to use the word robotic, but like it's very, for I don't want to say formulaic either, but it's, written it's, maybe more written. Yeah, yeah, rhythmic, and it's by the book, right? So yeah, I don't know. Written, I yeah, feel yeah, like. Yeah. Uh, Rose might even have, you know, she has an extra couple months to get better on these things. So I'm, I'm going with Rose, and I, I really like her price at 7900. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there too. Uh, you know, again, to, just uh, underdog in a main main event, especially one you're actually picking. That's kind of hard to avoid. Um, getting them, you know, not not having them not end up on your roster. At least speaking for myself. So she definitely ends up on there, on there for me. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't like. Uh, I, I agree with many of your points there, by the way. But I didn't like, yeah, the things in the interview. And one of the things I didn't like too was that she was talking about. I want fighters to uh, talk about the camera to follow me, and she was talking about projects that weren't involved with MMA. Outsider, and, and outsider. That what she, that's what, that's what seemed to make her most happy throughout the interview. 
And she kept emphasizing on that, and that just didn't tell me that her head was too much into the fight. I mean, well, no, so she could come out and smoke uh, Rose and and uh, and you know and and make us all look dumb. But uh, but man, another uh, unless you have anything else to say on that fight, uh, there's another fight on the main card that I really want to talk about. And I know you do as well. Do you have anything else on the comment though? Nope. All right. Here's the fight I want to talk about: Hinato Moicano versus Calvin Qatar. Or Cater. I, I keep saying it wrong, but man, I, I, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I think it's a sleeper fight. It, it, I don't know if it's going to produce a finish. Um, I'm actually, you know, on my official pick, you know, tipping the hand here. At, uh, I have it going a decision. I do have it, you know, for Cater, but I think, it's, I think it's justifiably close. I already gave my thoughts on this fight. Jordan, what are your thoughts? Who do you have? What's the, what's the, uh, what's the summation here? I am not getting this fight catered to me, man. I think I think that uh, Renato is going to take it away. I, uh, Mochiano, I want some Carmel Macchiato in my life also. That, I think you can bring that cater. Uh, what, okay, so uh, jokes aside, right? Um, okay. He looked pretty good against Ortega, didn't he? Like I, I was yeah, relatively yeah. impressed in how he did three rounds. And um, it's fair to say that Ortega could have improved that he fought on uh, July 29th. What is that? Uh, a little over seven, eight months at this point. Sure. Ortega could have got better, but how much better? I mean, I feel like he should probably be the favorite or it should probably be even money right now. I have best fight, best fight odds open right now. And I'm looking at it and it seems like he's a, a plus 100 underdog. I mean, I'll take that. You know what I mean? And at some points I see a minus 104 uh, at bet DSI. So, I mean, I, I feel like he's going to be relatively low owned. I feel like there's going to be – in DFS and Daily Fantasy Sports, we talk, we talk about this thing called sharp money, right? And it, and obviously in gambling also. So sometimes you can see reverse line movement and you have if you have more tickets – on the fight and in what or whatever the game is, and if you have more more overall tickets on one side and the the side that has lower overall tickets has the more money, that's you know relatively saying the the sharp side in fantasy sports. As you look at your buy-ins, the four dollar contest will have relatively fish money, right? So somebody like uh, Renato might not even be in the double digits in that kind of contest. But I feel like as we get up into the double digits, the thirty three dollars and up, even the one hundred and fifty dollar contest this week i feel like he's going to be approaching some higher levels uh, i'm not you know fully i'm not as into him as i am into khabib and uh um, <laughs> magomed shapirov but i like his play a lot and i'm gonna i'm gonna have him in probably like 60 to 70 percent of my lineups yeah i don't blame you man it's a close fight like uh i i i would say maybe maybe stay away i'm not sure if it's making my stay away list yet again this is uh this is before I have my betting article done because I that one I kind of have to wait to the last minute to do, even if I'm ahead of my analysis because I have to base it off of current lines, obviously. Sure. Which sucks because I could have my my eye on one thing and then it gets it gets bet out of range, so I'm stuck having to justify an article, but still obviously stay with honest and justifiable and, and fair and, and analysis. Anyways, neither here nor there, but I I agree from a fantasy point. I I think Moicano is is if you're gonna pick one person. Uh, betting or fantasy, it's going to be Moicano. He's the dog. You're getting a better price, and you know he has the more proven dynamic. Uh, whereas Cater, Cater, the reason why Cater, he's been one of those guys where again I've already explained previously where I kind of came on late to him. Um, one, he kind of has that style where you really have to spend the time uh, to watch it to appreciate it. But then he also had a spotty, 
up until recently, he had a spotty kind of track record if you're really trying to get a sample size, you know, as far as, um, you know, taking years off. But I'm really impressed, and I already got into it in the breakdown, so I don't want to repeat myself too much here. Really impressed with his maturity. And uh, essentially, I just see, you know, again, without getting repeating the techniques too much, but I just see his straight punches and his, his, speed, his hand speed and the way he fires his shots um, being more effective offensively. And where his defensive triggers even are perfect for guys with two, three counter defense uh, counter triggers that Moicano has. So in other words, Moicano's counters that were I was really impressed with in the Ortega fight, those are the shots that Calvin, uh, Calvin, Calvin Cater defends best. Um, and the reason why Moicano, even though he was outlanding Ortega but still getting his nose busted up, is because when he does counter, he's not moving his head offline. He's planted, and he wants to trade. Now, that's good because that means Moicano is returning with power, but I don't know how that's going to pay off um, with the guy that gets in and out real pinpoint like Cater. But here's why I like – here's why he's a live dog and why I like him for, for fantasy, Jordan, is because this is going to be Moicano's first camp in American top team, his first full camp. He did part of his camp in that Ortega fight. And we just had Mike Brown on the show, as I'm sure you heard. He was really I high. Did. He was really high on Anato Moicano. Now, he's not going to be in the corner, and he sounded bummed about that. Which, if you're a Moicano supporter, you should be bummed about that, too, because you want that. They veteran. have a great staff, though, they, Dan. They, you know? they, they do, but, but, but I, I don't think he's, he's not having American top team guys. He's... He's gonna okay. have. He's having his. That, oh. that, that, he's having his Brazil guys. Okay. His normal team. You know what I'm saying? And we see that with a oh, lot. Of, I didn't know that. Well, we see that with a lot of the transplants. I mean, American top team is a hot spot for Brazilian transplants. Some get more deeply entrenched with others, but you see them either bringing their their really friendly American top team. Hell, they they need all the coaches they can get in there. They're okay with these top level fighters. A bringing their coaches in closer to the fight camp. You see that in their Instagram photos. And then B when it comes time to do the fight. They're back with their normal corners, which is probably better for not just Moicano and these fighters. I mean, at the end of the day, these coaches can't be in there for you, and you want a familiar uh, voice they're going to respond to. You know, you can have an intelligent voice, but if it's not one they're used to responding to or, or listening to, it can, you know. So anyways, there, 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 there's pros and cons. But any, You know what I hate, though, Dan? I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, yeah. but I hate the, you know, you could do it. You're tougher than him. Go out yes. there and show. You know, show the world how tough you are, you know. Yes. I hate that so much. I want technical advice. I want the, you know, t- sir, take a breath. I like, I'll, I'll take what Jackson does. I'll take, I'll take any of those strategies. But just don't go out there and you know you go get him, champ. That's like literally the the last thing I want to see. So um, everything else that you said prior to um, you know Renato's strengths versus Qatar's you know defenses and stuff like that didn't really register. But when you mentioned that, I start to reconsider things, right? So well, here's well here's the here's the pro going on your side. What I was working to what I was working to is I think that the American top team what can stick regardless of who's in his corner is that we, we we see wrestling from guys there improve and generally we see it improve because they'll take it and they'll implement it or re-implement it depending on the guy's base back into their fights so if you look at Moicano's early fights he 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 wouldn't you know he he, uh, he, he, he he'd shoot some takedowns depending on the matchup right and uh, anyways if if that American top team rub, runs off we could see him shoot some takedowns here because that uh, in short uh, which I which I explained prior is, is is probably his best path to mix it up uh, with against a guy like Qatar. Now, could, you know, could, you know, Qatar uh, could you know surprise us with his uh, jujitsu, which looks which looks in form, and and I, I get into that, you know. But but 
again, his sample size isn't quite there, and that's got to be the that's got to be where where Moicano's heads at. Where I got to test him. We know how judges mm-hmm. work. How that 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 favors even if he's not getting those takedowns, that pressure could make the difference in close rounds. And if he gets the takedowns, of course, it's going to score for fantasy. So I don't blame you for taking that shot or anybody. Yeah. So there's one more fight on the main card that I want to talk to you what about. What is it? Um, and that's uh, Pettis versus Chiesa. Yes. Uh, I, I'm not really a big fan of Pettis and, and his overall game. I'm not necessarily that into Chiesa either. But I, I for some reason, I'm, I'm finding myself drawn towards playing Pettis in a majority of my lineups. 7,600. I know he's kind of been resignated to this uh, gatekeeper status. But when I look at who he's really, you know, been in the cage with recently and who he's, you know, scored well against and who he's done well against. I mean, you know, he had that fight with Miller. He did really well. He lost to Holloway. He lost to Poirier. Those are things that, like, I kind of expect to happen. Like, so I kind of feel like Kiesa's only really good path to victory uh, against Pettis is going to be on the ground. And I feel like Pettis's takedown defense, like Holloway, is also kind of underrated. So I don't know. I wanted to get your thoughts specifically on, uh, you know, Pettis and what what how Kiesa could win. Yeah, I think uh, I think Pettis uh, his ground game in general is underrated, uh, and he 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 shines the brightest when guys have his back, and that's Kiesa's best spot. So that makes for an interesting you know fold. You know we've seen Kiesa and as good as Kiesa is at getting guys back, we saw in his last fight that he's not impervious to that. Um, so it's really interesting uh, to kind of t- tip my hand. I'm actually picking Kiesa. But it's not a fight I'm too confident on as far as the side. Now, kind of tipping my hand further, again, the betting article's not done yet. I'm hoping, you know, this podcast isn't going to help it, but I'm hoping the under stays at dog money because, hint, hint, that's one of the, the, the top leading props I'm looking at. Because either mm-hmm. way, um, I see, I, I don't see this, this going very far. Uh, very, very, very far. Uh, I see a, a finish producing. I've just been burnt by. Picking against Kiesa many times too. Now I picked against him in his last fight and it paid off, but a lot of the matchups before, whether it was Jim Miller or uh, other ones that aren't coming specifically to mind right off the top of my head, maybe maybe Benil Daryush. Um, I keep thinking that body kick's going to be open on his tall frame. You know what I'm saying? And that was what if you yeah. go, if you go back and read my Kiesa breakdowns all the way back to like 2015, I was like, keep an eye out. I could see a body kick where, and I keep looking like an asshole because it never comes. And now he's facing. One of the best body kick, liver kick guys, you know, on paper. But the problem is, all the stuff on Pettis on paper, which you can say is true, hasn't exactly been true his last couple of fights. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's he's had a rough run, which is, uh, it doesn't take a genius to, to to just look on paper and see that. So so that's the problem. So maybe it, it's kind of a counter biases working from both guys. So that's why I don't mm-hmm. blame you or anybody for picking Pettis, but my, my pick's Kiesa here on this one, man. And, and for so so your, your pick's Pettis, and, and for for fantasy as well. Uh, you, you, you yeah, like Pettis I think as well? I'm going I'm going Pettis, and I don't love it either. Uh, but I'm I'm going Pettis. Yeah, you know, it makes sense. You're not only getting the dog, but you're getting the guy who has more ways to win and finish on paper. So from a fantasy perspective, that that kind of hits your basic check marks, right? Mm-hmm. And I also think like you know I. The, the speed advantage is going to be quite pronounced in terms of Pettis' avail- should, ability yeah. to just you know, enter the pocket and, and get out before that length is really an issue. I don't know. I feel like uh, Kiesa, it's also a pretty long, pretty long layoff since the last time he's fought. You know, uh, has he been injured? What's going on? I know that there was a controversy and the shoulder shrugging and 
I, I haven't been following him too closely. Uh, he did, but I think that led him to the UFC Performance Institute, which led him to training down in Vegas, which led him to doing his camp down in Vegas, which not picking on his camp, but anybody in the know uh, knows that, uh, I guess, to be fair, Rick Little in that camp that he was training at had questionable. Who? Uh, Rick I'm Little, his main trainer, is the guy. The, I don't, uh, he's, I don't he, know, he, he's noticed for saying you just take body kicks and leg kicks and tough them out. Um, you should that's, t- a that, smart, that's a smart strategy. That's I've defense heard that. for it. And, then, <laughs> and, and, and so then, yeah, you saw you know, Kiesa and these guys like Sam Cecilia start kind of exchanging wins and losses once they got to the top level. And you saw Sam Cecilia, even though it uh, remains to be seen how he's going to do, kind of break away from the camp. And you're seeing Pettis do the same. Sure. You saw Juliana Pena do this. I'm just saying you read between the lines. I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on anybody or anybody's yeah, camp. Yeah, you yeah. can read between those lines is what I'm saying. So that's a good thing for Kiesa, in, in other words, is what I'm saying. Um, I'm not taking that fight or anybody else from the next fight on the main card on my fantasy. So why don't we jump to the FS1 portion of the prelims. There are mm-hmm. some stuff on there. Um, is there any fights that jump out to you, though, that you wanted to talk about on the FS1 prelims? Um, so not, not, there's some, some people that are interesting to me the fights, not so much. Right. So, um, yes, right, right. just doing a general, I'm going to pull up this on UFC.com just to make sure I know who exactly is on the FS1 prelims and where the cutoff is. Okay. So here we go. So we got, so one thing that's interesting to me is Herrig is $7,200, right? So that might be an interesting pivot from someone like Renato. Uh, I feel like she's probably, uh, that that should probably be more of like an eight thousand seventy eight hundred dollar advantage in terms of Carolina. Um, I, I also have some interest in uh, Marino. I feel like he is extremely underpriced, and I really love the flyweights and uh, the amount of uh, scrambling and and takedown opportunities that 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 pace element. I know. I know. Last time we spoke, we kind of talked about pace a little bit, so I'm interested in that. Uh, also, we've had. Uh, Joe Lozon and Chris Grusemaker, that fight getting some uh, a lot of conversation in fantasy circles. Some people saying, uh, you know, Joe is in the best situation here. I'm generally going to – I'm going to stay away from that. I'm not really too into it either way. I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that though. Uh, yeah, I'll give you shots on that. I stayed away from it too. But uh, it's one of those ones where in, initially you're strong on Lozon and I'm not the only one who feels this. So I'm, I'm just kind of generalizing here. Um, and then you're still picking Lozon, but you're not as confident because even though Groots, Groots is a is a grinder, um, you you kind of look at, at Lozon and you can't help but question his chin and his status. And you start seeing guys get knocked out by guys who don't normally um, knock guys out. And uh, I want to shout out uh, Zane Simon at the Zane Simon because I actually just saw this tweet tweet uh, a, a little bit ago on Twitter, uh, so it's fresh in my head. And uh, he said it the best, but he goes. He said when he was doing tape study for this fight, he tweeted, it felt like he was doing tape study for Zach Otto versus Mike Pyle. And what do we see there? A guy <laughs> not known ever for knocking people out, getting the knockout kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So that kind of a thought, I think, was perfect to encapsulate why uh, to stay away. I don't know if that's why for you, but you you, you essentially have the same attitude uh, at the end of it, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, I would also throw in just the, the name recognition that Lozon has. Yeah, and that's always going to – yeah. I don't know about heavily, but it always – you know goes in favor of pushing those percentages up. Um, I will say I, I officially picked Herrig. And speaking of pace, uh, and I, I probably spoke of this on the breakdown, but I spoke to Keith Lee today in the studio, and he's a real smart kid, Kevin Lee's uh, brother and something. He's He watches a lot of tape, and 
you could tell he's focusing a lot about pace because he's focusing about it on his own game and watching which guys can get people to fight at their own pace. And he was talking about how Joseph Benavides is so so clever at that. And usually it's something that happens when someone matures in their career. But regardless, you have to look at the matchup at hand. And that could be a dangerous one. I'm actually picking Herrig for the upset, but he's picking uh, Kovalkiewicz for a good reason because Keith was saying that, you know, Kovalkiewicz fights at a higher pace, which is true. And Herrig can be susceptible to fighting at her opponent's base, which can also be made an argument for. But Herrig has essentially just been on this quiet renaissance. It's not been getting a lot of attention. I don't know if she can get it to the ground, but I like her durability and firepower in the exchanges, even though I do see that there will be a volume and pace on paper disadvantage to Carolina, as is most, most Carolina's opponents. Um, so yeah. it could be, worth, could be worth looking at there. But I wanted to talk about, not maybe not talk about, but get your thoughts about Borg and Moreno because I ended up picking Moreno. I thought the line was off, even though I feel that Borg should be favored. But after looking into it a little more, there's essentially more we know about Borg and less we know about Moreno, but not necessarily in the best way. My, my, my short opinion is that Borg is is good and deserves to be the favorite, but his trajectory is a, is a slow, steady line, and we can see where it's going. We see what his skills are. We see that he builds around his grappling. Um, you know, we see that his striking is building less. It's, it's a very clear cut archetype but we've seen this archetype from many fighters whereas moreno he is surprises on the ground he's surprised trajectories on the feet um more ways in my opinion to finish on paper and i i I, I thought the line was off and actually ended up picking moreno at the end of the day especially hearing how he's doing with other people at extreme couture yeah i mean that's that's the way i approach it i just don't think that borg is a minus 290 or 280 favorite i just I, I don't think so. And, you know, the price reflects the same on DraftKings. You know, obviously you talk about you haven't done your betting article because lines move all the time and you want to be up to date. One of the benefits of playing on DraftKings is once the line lines come out and the prices are set, they don't change. So you could, you know, work some arbitrage into that. And I, and I feel like uh, Moreno has – a lot of a lot of shots to win, like you mentioned. He is uh, unconventional and is very aggressive. And we talk about this element of pace, and there's more opportunities to get to get to be in these scoring positions, right? So I, I really like Borg. He's going to be uh, a mainstay of a lot of my lineups. Uh, Borg or Moreno? Excuse me, Moreno. Yeah. Okay, okay, gotcha. No, awesome, man. Let's jump to a fight pass, man. I know there was a couple, if not fights, but fighters for sure. You definitely wanted to talk about. So, what what jumps on you in the fight pass portion of the prelims? Zabit, man. Yes. I, I think. All right. I, I want every one of my lineups to start with Khabib and Zabit. It should be a boy band. It's tough, man. Yeah, yeah. Don't mess with the Zohan boy band because he looks like know, uh, right? he, has, he looks like emaciated Adam Sandler from Don't Mess with the Zohan with that bedhead haircut he has, right? But uh, yeah, Paul Mitchell. When, when a guy gets up to min- minus nine hundred at that, that point, the only point to play him is fantasy. Even if he does end up on the top of the fantasy list, at least that, like you said, that has a cap that can't get bet up like these betting lines. So even if he ends up on the top of the list, it's not like, you know, DraftKings is going to start adding ducats to the list, but uh, I made room for him on my list as well. And obviously by the sound of it with the boy band, he, he, he's a mainstay on yours, huh, Jordan? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh, if anything, I might even prefer him over Khabib if I had to pick one. Okay. Okay. Um, anything else you like on the, uh, on the, on the, on the, uh, Fight past prelims. I I, I, I guess uh, one thing is uh, Devin Clark and Mike Rodriguez. Yeah, that yeah. fight's been being talked up. about a yep. lot. Yep. I'm not um, 
as familiar with probably either of them as I, as I should be. I think a lot of people are uh, going to play Devin Clark. I think he's going to be pretty popular. Um, I'm probably going to stay away because I feel like they're better people in that range. I'm going to have to do some thinking about uh, my thoughts on Renato because, you know, our conversation has influenced me a little bit there, Dan. Um, also, some people like uh, Caceres and Artem. I feel like Artem always comes with some ownership because of his name. Um, I don't know. I feel like the the fights that we've talked about pretty much have the the best chances to be in the winning lineups. I guess uh, the one exception could be uh, Alaquinta and Felder. I think that could easily uh, produce a really high scoring fighter. But you know, uh, I feel like they're very evenly matched, and I don't have a really strong conviction either way. Yeah, tipping tipping my hand a bit. I actually took Felder, and I actually took Mike Rodriguez. Um, and again, with the finishing in mind. And also, they're, they're, they're also two volatile matchups, obviously. Both of them are in volatile matchups. I think we can both agree. But with that in mind, is this one of those cards where you, 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 you kind of got to take your punts on those volatile matchups where you can and go for these scores? You can't, kind of can't avoid it, even if you're trying to play a conservative lineup, whatever that means, right? Yeah, I mean, I just went in from the perspective of saying, okay, I want Khabib. I want Sabib. Right. I'm going to do everything I can to make this happen. And it, it was relatively – it's relatively easy. Like, we're not going to go out there and tell you exactly who to play or why to play them or what to play them in. But it's it's relatively easy to do that. And then also for everybody listening out there, you could hear what we're saying, completely disregard our advice, talk about what we're – you know, what our thoughts are for ownership and who's going to be popular. And you could zig while we're zagging and maybe that will work out for you, right? I wish you good luck. Yeah, no, that's one hundred percent true, man. Because that, that's another tricky angle. That that, that you know, again, it's, it 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 falls heavily subjective. Like most of the stuff we're talking about is subjective, obviously. But but yeah, um, let me just recap my hand, and you can let me know what you think. Just because uh, before I forget, I want to do it too. I'll probably forget in the other segment of the podcast when it's just me. I don't have someone like you to keep me on the straight and narrow. But I got mm-hmm. a Zabit from the top. I got Zabit, Khabib, uh, Paul Felder, uh, Rose Namajunas. Um, Mike Rodriguez, just because I think, again, I do agree with you on the ownership there. Uh, it's probably going to produce a finish, and then Clark is the wrestler and the more experienced guy, so I think that's going to tip the scales in his favor, even though the betting lines um, will tell you the other thing, that the money actually has been coming on Mike Rodriguez. And I don't blame him, because once I did my footage, it's not a confident pick, but I'm actually picking Mike Rodriguez, which makes it easy picking dogs to, to fit these big guys on. And then lastly, again, uh, not just because he's my pick, but the value even, uh, Brandon Moreno. Yeah, I like Moreno a lot. I would I would suggest everybody listening out there to take a long look at Moreno if you're trying to fit in these like these very expensive people, whether that be uh, Khabib or even you know Sabib or Pettis or whoever you're looking at. You got to be able to fit them in. You got to make sacrifices somewhere, right? Otherwise, you you know it's just not going to work. I also think that Herrig is a nice pivot to Rodriguez or Renato or any of those seven K range. And also, don't be afraid to leave some salary off the table. And you know you don't have to spend every cent. For everybody out there listening, you know yeah. if you if you think about it. It's interesting. Tomorrow is the Masters. There's really big tournaments uh, for PGA golf, uh, DFS. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of strategy out there. There's a lot of stats that say 90-some percent of people that are in these massive tournaments use all the salary. That means that if you put yourself in a position to just save $500, you separate yourself from a massive amount of people. 
That's all. No, that, that that's a really good good thing to know, and that's a good thing for me to hear because that's one thing I notice is that I usually don't run into that problem when I'm organizing it list to list. But that's also because something we've talked about, um, and uh, it, that's also because I come at it from a complete analytical angle. That and my bets. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not doing it off of the the hot words like the valley or swings in the line, so to speak. I'm coming off of what's my analysis. So sometimes that analysis ends up with a really, you know, like a 48, 40, you know, 48,000 margin kind of a lineup or, a, or a, you know, a lineup with room left, but I'm still happy with it. Sure. And, you know, do whatever you want. It's all about having fun, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. This was fun. I appreciate your time. As usual, uh, it gets away from us, but it's a good time. And, and, and I appreciate your time, Jordan. Jordan, thanks, man. I appreciate your time. And thanks for having me on. And uh, I hope we do it again soon. Yeah, I got to get on your podcast too. Speaking of which, would you want to plug anything, any projects, your handle, anything you have sure, going on, sure. please, man? So, uh, yeah, if you guys have any, any fantasy questions, sports questions in general, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore, or excuse me, at Ordination Sports without the O. I mix up the underscore because I have a podcast at the Nation of, Nation of Recap. We talk television, reality TV. Right now we're doing the expanse on sci fi. You can find that on nationofpodcast.com. Also doing some Survivor Ghost Island coverage. We really like to do this the the like the reality competition shows. We also do 90 Day Fiance, Love After Lockup, only the finest high quality television, right? Hundred percent, man. Nation <laughs> of remember it, Adam. Say what's up and, uh, and and thanks again, man. Hey, let's make some money this weekend, guys. Let's do it. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. And the pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to back. Right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast. Uh, just me now, but thanks, Jordan, for stopping by. That was always fun when uh, he's able to do that. Uh, always good to catch up with him. And now I'm going to wrap things up here, get finished packing, get finished with my article. Because in a couple hours, um, I'll be getting on a flight and uh, getting out of here. Headed to Brooklyn. Come say hi at Dan Tom MMA. Um, hopefully, I'll be feeling better and <laughs> be hitting some. Uh, some of my favorite joints. I'll be at some of the events. Um, and uh, I'll be at the event itself. Um, I'll be around sitting right above uh, the section where the fighters walk out, apparently. So, uh, yeah, definitely don't be shy. Um, enjoy the fights this weekend. Anything else to really recap? Yeah, my betting article, all this stuff will be out. Nothing much to recap now. Just a lot of, not, a lot, a lot, nah, not a lot of it is final. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and get the hell out of here. But, uh, but yeah. Wow, sorry, I lost for words. I guess that means I better get the fuck out of here. All right, guys, enjoy the fights. It's still going to be an awesome card this weekend. Good luck on your picks and plays. And, of course, always protect your necks.